0: One of the most effective ways to teach a concept that is difficult to understand is to illustrate it with a story. In other words, you can define it. You can dissect it and analyze it all you want. But sometimes it's much more effective to give that concept a face. To illustrate it with a story. In fact, we do this with our children all the time, don't we? If we want to teach our children not to cry out for help when they don't really need it, we'll probably tell them about the boy who cried wolf. If we want to teach our children to keep going and not ever give up, we might tell them the story of the tortoise and the hare. If we want to teach them to always be on guard against danger, even when everything seems fine, we might tell them about Little Red Riding Hood. Sometimes the most effective way to illustrate a concept that's difficult to understand is to illustrate it with a story. This week, we're going to be talking about the concept in the Bible that is arguably the most difficult to understand. And it's not because it's a concept that's difficult for us to mentally grasp. No, it's because it's a concept that, by nature, is so contrary to our natural instincts about how God ought to work. The concept we're going to be talking about is grace. Now, without a doubt, it's very possible to define grace. In fact, the Bible does that often. And it's important for us to understand that definition clearly. For example, in Ephesians, it says this, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So, even though we could do nothing to help ourselves, God, all by himself, saved us by sending his son Jesus. And the reason he did this was not because of anything good that he found in us. Instead, he was motivated only by his unconditional love. That's grace. God's undeserved, unconditional love that prompted him to send Jesus as our Savior. Sounds simple, doesn't it? And yet, as I mentioned, grace is probably the concept in the Bible that is most difficult for us as human beings to grasp. And if you don't believe me, stick around. This week, we're going to see how some people in Jesus, they really struggle to understand this concept of grace. Grace. And in response, Jesus didn't further define grace. He didn't show them grace under a microscope so that they could look at it closely. He didn't write it out as a formula on a chalkboard so that they could understand it. No, instead, he told a story. Probably the most famous story Jesus ever told. A story about a father who had two sons. And it's a story in which Jesus never once uses the word grace, but it's a story that's about grace from start to finish. So if you struggle to understand God's grace, if you struggle to understand how God's grace can be for you or how God's grace could be for someone else, maybe this is just the story you need to hear. Without a doubt, careful definitions and clearly articulated understandings of grace are very, very important. And yet, make no mistake, grace is more than just a term. As we're going to see this week, grace has a face. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've sort of wandered away from God? When in spite of everything good that God has done for you, you've sort of pushed him away? That's where Jesus starts with this story that we're going to be looking at this week. There's a father who has two sons and one day the younger son comes to his father and he asks for his inheritance. Now you probably know that normally you don't get your inheritance until your parents die. And so this younger son is basically saying to his father, I wish you were dead. And not only that, but he wants to get as far away from his father as he possibly can. He's not going to take his money and buy the farm that's right next door so that they can still hang out all the time, so that he can still come over for the Labor Day cookout. No, he's going to go to a far away, distant country so that he can do whatever he wants, so that he can do what makes him happy. He wants all of his father's things, but he wants nothing to do with his father. Seems outrageous, doesn't it? And yet there's something even more outrageous that happens in this first part of this story. Not just the son's request, but the father's response. The father actually says yes. In fact, this is our first look at the face of grace. It's a father whose blessings are not in any way contingent on his children's behavior. And so it's a father whose blessings are not withheld even when his children want nothing to do with him. So, let me ask, can you see yourself in this part of the story? It's no secret that there are still lots of people who are perfectly happy living off of the blessings of God without really wanting anything to do with God, not stopping to think that the two of them might be related. That maybe the God who gives us every good thing that we have also knows a thing or two about how those good things ought to be used. That maybe the very same God who created us and knows us better than we know ourselves also knows a thing or two about what would really make us happy. Can you see yourself in this first part of the story? If so, that's a serious problem. That's a sin that needs to be addressed. And Jesus is going to address that sin as the story goes on. But for now, pay close attention to that father's response. See, we might be tempted to think that At any given moment, if we wander away from God, if we take a single step away from him, that he's just instantly going to cut us off and he's going to leave us there to suffer and die. Not so. Even when people want all of the Father's things but want nothing to do with the Father, we have a Father who still says yes. In fact, Jesus once said, He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and he sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Aside from this keeping us alive and allowing us to continue to survive, it also does something even more important. It gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what our father is really like. If We have a father who treats us like this, even when we wander, we already have a pretty good idea of how he's going to respond if and when we see the need to come back. It seems completely outrageous and yet when we see our father act this way, we are looking into the face of grace. Yesterday, I had asked you if there was ever a time when you've wandered away from God. And if so, then maybe you've experienced what this younger son experienced in this story that Jesus told. You might remember from yesterday that this father had two sons and the younger son had asked for his inheritance, taken it to a faraway country where he spent it on whatever he wanted. Well, pretty soon he hit rock bottom. He was all out of money. He had absolutely no friends. He was working a job feeding pigs, daydreaming about eating the the food that the pigs were eating. And so that's when he came to his senses. He realized that life with his father was certainly better than life without his father. And so he was going to go back. But he also very understandably and very naturally assumed that what he had done had sort of ruined any chances of him having a place in the family, of him being a child once again. And so he assumed that that maybe he could become a servant. Maybe he could once again have his father's blessings by earning them. So off he went. And yet, even before he could reach the front door, his father was running out to meet him and, and wrapped him up in his arms. Even before he could lay out his well-rehearsed plan for how he could become his father's servant, his father was making it abundantly clear that he wanted him back as a son. He brought out a ring. He brought out a robe. He ordered a prime rib party for all of their friends and relatives. This is our next look into the face of grace. This younger son thought that maybe he could become a servant, but his father made it very clear he wanted a son. So let me ask, do you see yourself in this part of the story? If we've ever wandered away from God, it's not unusual that we would experience the very same things that this younger son experienced. Eventually, we reach the dead end of the path that we have chosen. We realize that life apart from God is not nearly as good as life with God. And so, and so we desire to go back, but we naturally assume that before we do, we need to make things right. That the only way to get God's blessings once again is to work for them. And yet, just like in the story, our Father makes it very clear that he doesn't want any more servants. In fact, he already has plenty of those. Thousands upon thousands of angels who do his bidding. No, with us, God wants us to be his children. And just like in the story, he is willing to do absolutely everything to make sure that we know it, too. In fact, the Bible says this, that God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Friends, no matter how far you've wandered, this is the God who is waiting for you. He will always be waiting for you, and not as a boss looking to hire you as a servant, but as a father who wants you to be his child and wants you to be his heir. And so when you return, And when you see a father like this, welcoming you back with open arms, you are staring into the face of grace. This week, we're talking about God's grace. And at the beginning of the week, I said that grace is the concept in the Bible that's maybe the most difficult for us to understand. In fact, grace is the idea in the Bible that, by nature, we as human beings find most offensive. And today, we're going to see why that is. Where we left off in this story that Jesus told, everyone was busy celebrating because the father's younger son had finally come back home. Well, not everyone was celebrating. While the party was going on, the older son was out in the field and when he heard what was happening inside the house, he became angry and upset. After all, he had never rebelled against his father the way that his younger brother had. And his father had never thrown any sort of party like this for him. In fact, everything that the father was spending on this party for his good-for-nothing younger brother was really his. Everything that the father had left was his inheritance. And so he stayed outside angry and offended. So what would the father do now? leave his older son outside, maybe even lock the door, send out a servant to demand that he get back inside right this minute. No, instead, the father leaves the party. The father goes outside. The father pleads with his older son to see That just as his younger son's behavior had nothing to do with his place in the family, so also the older brother's place in the family had nothing to do with his behavior either. He wanted this older brother to see that he was choosing anger and resentment and was missing out on all of the joy and all of the fun that was happening inside the house. The father said to his older son, We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is our next look into the face of grace. We see that God has grace even for people who are upset by His grace. So I'll ask it one more time Can you see yourself in this part of the story? No matter how far you've wandered from God in your life, it's probably possible for you to find someone who's wandered much farther and for much longer. In fact, you might look at your life and think that overall, you've pretty much stayed pretty close to God. Always been in church, never been in trouble with the law, always been a a faithful spouse and a good parent. In fact, maybe even your rebellious stage included nothing more than jaywalking and staying out past your curfew a couple of times. And if that's the case, then you might be tempted to look at people who have wandered much farther from God than you, And you might be tempted to assume that your place in the family is directly a result of your good behavior. You might be tempted to look at the fact that they are welcomed back into the family with open arms and resent the fact that they get a place in the family that's equal to yours. If so, rest assured that God has enough grace for you, too. In fact, the people that Jesus told this story to were people just like that. People who were offended and upset by God's grace for others. And in telling this story, Jesus was really doing for them the very same thing that the father in the story did for his older son. He was going out to them. He was reaching out to them. He was pleading with them to see that their place in the family was not in any way dependent on their behavior. He was urging them to see that a life where their behavior was connected to their place in the family was a life full of anger and resentment. He was Pleading with them to see that a life where, where even the most wayward of children are welcomed back with open arms, that's where all the joy and fun are to be found. That's where the party is at. And so even when we get upset with God's grace, even when we might look up at God and be angered by the grace that he shows to others, this is the Father that we will meet. Even then, we will be staring into the face of grace. This week we've been looking at a story that is all about grace. It's a story in which Jesus gives grace a face. It's the face of a father who loves his children even when they want nothing to do with him. It's the face of a father who loves his children when they come crawling back and welcomes them back into the family. It's a father who loves his children even when they resent the love that he has for other children. And of course, the biggest and the most important lesson that we need to take away from this story is that we are the ones who need this kind of grace from our God. We need this grace because we are the ones who have wandered away. We need this grace so that we are welcomed back as children rather than servants. We need this grace because sometimes we too can get upset at the grace that God shows others. And yet, of course, we're not alone. There are lots and lots of people People that we come into contact each and every day who need this grace too. People who are still perfectly content to live off all of the Father's blessings without wanting anything to do with the Father. People who maybe want to come back but think that they need to earn their way back into God's favor. People who think that their status as God's children is somehow tied to their behavior and so they are constantly looking down at people who don't measure up. Lots and lots of people who, just like you and me, need to see this face of grace. And yet, believe it or not, long before we might ever have an opportunity to tell them about God's grace, the face of grace that they might have an opportunity to look into will be ours. It's no surprise that as Jesus went around talking about this radical concept of grace, that he also urged his followers to put this same grace into practice. To love people who hated them. To treat people well who treated them poorly. To give to people who could not possibly pay them back. And aside from this just being a a natural response to the grace that God shows us, Jesus also talked about one incredible blessing that would also result. He said, Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. You probably know that very often you can look at a child and sort of figure out who his parents are. Maybe it's based on how they look, their nose, their eyes, their smile. Maybe it's in their behavior, their mannerisms and their movements, the words that they use and the tone of their voice. Well, Jesus says that in the very same way, as we show grace to others, we are, at least in some small part, bearing a family resemblance to our Father in heaven. We are showing ourselves to be his children. And what a blessing that would be to someone who has never heard about grace or is still struggling to understand it. That they would come into contact with us, that they would see our behavior and they would get a glimpse of what our Father in heaven is like. That they would look at us and they would see a face of grace. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here with Time of Grace. Uh, Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. And we'd love for this podcast to be a blessing to you in the days to come. So if you could share this podcast, subscribe so that every episode ends up in your feed, or just leave us a review, we would love more and more people to hear this message so that their lives can be surrounded and blessed by the grace of God. Thanks again, and have a wonderful day.